Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to find ourselves in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 8 and 9 tonight. And uh, before we get into the uh, text, I need to uh, make an apology uh, to Mr. Clint Allen. I called him Jordan Sunday. And, uh, and, and my excuse, I just didn't see him. Well, I saw him, but I didn't. S- he just looked different to me for whatever the reason was. And, uh, and then when he started singing, I thought, well, yeah, that's Jordan. I mean, he did he not do good job? I mean, he really did a great job and, and all that. And so, of course, my family's always the first one to, you know, say, Daddy, you do know that was Mr. Clint, not Mr. Jordan. I said, if I knew that, I wouldn't have called him Jordan. I said, are you serious? She says, yes. And then Libby. She says, we're trying to tell you it was Clint, it was Clint. And I said, not only can I not see, apparently I can't hear. I I mean, you know, so I apologize. I did not mean to do that. Uh, But uh, he did a wonderful job on that. And that's the, uh, you know, and and his, a little bit of his testimony and all that. Man, that was just great. So um, I just wanted to make sure y'all knew that I messed up, okay? And, and, uh, Clint already has forgiven me. I just want the record to show he's been a kind brother to me. So, First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Now, last week, remember last week we looked at Peter is closing this letter out. And we understand uh, that he's writing this letter to encourage the believers and uh, he's encouraged them because uh, they've uh, faced persecution, uh, they've faced suffering. And, and now, uh, towards the end of the letter, he throws in something else. I mean, if that wasn't enough on suffering and persecution, now he says, oh, by the way, you're going to be seeing some fiery trials come your way. And so he's, he's encouraging them, uh, and he encouraged them uh, in three different ways. Uh, last week, we looked at... Uh, encouraging them to to get ready for the trials, get ready for the heat to come on your way is that you need to be humbled. And then we looked about what does humbling of being humble mean? It means that you got to get rid of your pride. It means that you're thinking of others and not yourself. You're looking for ways to uh, encourage one. I'm I'm telling you uh, the church needed encouragement. They weren't going to get it from the outside. Uh, They had to get it from the inside. Now, what does does that have to say to us? It has a lot to say to us because if we really believe that we're coming in or in the latter days, things are going to get tougher and tougher and tougher. And we're going to see more suffering. We're going to see more persecution. We're going to see those fiery trials. And so we're going to see as we're getting closer to the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that with all my heart. I mean, I'm not a uh, 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 scholar in prophecy but uh, even me, even a blind man can see we're in latter days. 
Amen? And so if that's the case, and if things are going to get even tougher, we got to have a sense of unity amongst the brethren. We're going to have to have a sense of cooperation. We're going to have to be encouraging one another because you're not going to get it at your workplace. You're not going to be getting it in your schools. We're going to have to realize that if we're going to get through this thing, we got to do it together. Okay, and so that's uh, now <clears throat> tonight we're going to look at not only do we need to be humble, but we need to be watchful. We need to be watching. What do we need to be watching for? Look at verse number eight. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Why are we need to be watching? We need to be watching because our adversary is wanting to devour us. He's wanting to destroy us. He's wanting to uh, wreak havoc into our lives. And so we got to be watching for him. We're going to uh, give a little more detail. Verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Okay, here's his courage. Okay, listen. He says, church, church, you need to be watching because Satan is like a roaring lion. Matter of fact, I find it interesting. The first time that we see uh, Satan, uh, Lucifer, I mean, we got uh, the devil, the accuser, uh, the father of lies. We have all kinds of names there. The first time that we see him is in Genesis, and he's there in the form of a serpent, right? Now, a serpent, I started thinking about this. Serpents are, are, are kind of cunning. They're, they're kind of sneaky, if you will. And if you're not paying attention, uh, one can go ahead and you can step on one or one can go ahead and uh, be in a, a bush somewhere close by you and strike out on you. Uh, they're, they're, they're good because they're usually camouflaged. They blend in. You ever notice the snakes, they blend in. Satan is exactly... Exactly like that. He wants to blend in. And then he uh, strikes out. Sometimes we're not even aware of the fact. Why? Because we weren't watching. But notice here in verse number 8, he says to the church that's fixing to go through trials and tribulations, and I believe he's speaking to the church uh, tonight as we're getting closer to the end times, he's like a roaring lion. I mean, he's not, he's not worried about sneaking up on you. He's in your face. Now, some of you might have had a week like that that you say, yeah, oh, he was in my face. Uh, but here it says, okay, here's the encouragement that you resist. He said, be steadfast in the faith. He says, here's where you're going to have victory over this roaring lion because of your steadfastness of your faith. And by the way, the steadfastness of your faith, we're going to have to encourage one another with that. Because there's times when we come together as a family that some of us have had a mountaintop experience. I dare say that every one of us had a mountaintop experience Sunday morning when God showed up and, uh, and we saw Him do wonderful and glorious 
things. But there's many times when someone might be on the mountaintop, but there's going to be a whole lot of others who are going through the valley and they're having a tough time. Many of our families, as we've gone through our prayer time uh, this uh, evening, is that some of our families are going through some very difficult times and they feel like uh, Satan is after them. But we need to be encouraging to one another. We need to be standfast and we need to let our brothers and sisters know that we're going to stand with you. You're not going to stand by yourself. I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged every time I come to the house of the Lord and I know I'm going to see my brothers and sisters and I know someone's going to have an encouraging word for me. I may be in a valley and I might have had a rough week, but I'm telling you, you're able to lift my spirits and that's what it's going to take for us as we're going into these fiery trials and as we're going into the latter days. we got to have one another. We need each other. We're not going to be able to get through this without helping one another. Is there an amen on the house on that? And so he says, stand fast in the faith, knowing. <laughs> and he says, not, you know, knowing. I mean, you, I mean, it's nailed down. Knowing that the same affection, uh, afflictions are accomplished in your brother's that are in the world. He says, here's how we're going to get through this. We got to be watching not only for Satan, but we need to be watching out for one another. Okay? That's what family's for. That's what the body of Christ is about. That we need to be watching for our brothers and sisters. So, first of all, we need to be watchful because in verse number 8 he says, Our adversary, uh, Satan. Uh, then he goes and he says about the devil. The devil, uh, the, the name means accuser or slander. Do you know that Satan is an accuser of the brethren? In verse uh, chapter 4, verse number 4 of 1 Peter, we see where the, the Scripture tells us that uh, they are speaking evil of you. He's talking to the believers. He says they're speaking evil of you. And then he gives the reason why they're speaking evil. They're speaking evil of you because you're not participating in the sinful actions like you used to before you got saved. And because you're not living the lifestyle that you used to live before you came to know Jesus Christ, there are those who are speaking evil of you. There are those who are accusing you. There are those who are pointing the finger at you. I want you to know, my dear friend, you know that, and I know that when you try to live for the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, there are going to be others who are going to talk about you. They're going to mock you. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to speak evil of you. But in verse number 14, chapter 4, 1 Peter, he also talks about speaking evil. And he says, now, he says, now they're speaking evil not only of the believers, but they're also speaking evil of the Lord. But he says, when you speak, you're speaking uh, in a way that glorifies God. Do you see the, uh, the contrast that's going on here? And we see the contrast in which we live. There are those who are, are mocking the name of Jesus Christ. 
There are those who are downplaying everything we're doing here. There are those who say that you're crazy, and we talked about all of this, but when we speak, we ought to speak in such a way that we bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's going to get tougher and tougher to do that. Because you go ahead, mark it down. You've heard it from this pulpit before. But they're going to do everything they can to keep your mouth shut when you start testifying about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to get even harder. Do you understand there are now those that are pushing towards the fact that if a pastor, a preacher gets up and starts preaching on sin, that they're going to go ahead and you could be arrested because you're using hate speech. I'm telling you, they're fast at the heels. They want to do everything they can. We are seeing it and we saw it when they removed the Ten Commandments. That was just to start. Why did they do that? What was that hurting? You didn't have to read it if you didn't want to. They want to do everything they can. Watch. They want to do everything they can to remove the name of Jesus or move anything about Jesus because it brings them under conviction. And if they are thinking, that if I can just get rid of that, then I won't have to deal with that and I can go ahead and I can live the way I want to live without everybody condemning me but I'm telling you my dear friend we are coming to a day where you're going to see more and more and more and we got to have each other okay so he says oh, they're speaking evil of me but also notice he uses the word serpent now he's using the word lying a uh, line National Geographic, I, I watch that every once in a while. And uh, I like it when they have those, uh, when they're out there and, you know, they're talking like, oh, there's a big lion. Watch them. And they're watching. And the lion is kind of sitting there. And then he sees a prey, antelope or whatever the case may be. They're getting excited because they know what's fixing to happen. I get excited too. I say, man, he's fixing to take that thing down. Now, I guess it's a guy thing. I don't know. But. And so he, he hunkers down and he sees a herd of antelope. Who does that line go after? The weakest. The weakest. Watch this. That's exactly what Satan does to us. He's looking for the weakest. Do not be offended by what I'm fixing to say here. What I'm trying to say is there are some who are weak in their faith. New believers, they haven't matured. It is our job if we have matured to come alongside them, be watching for them, be watching for them, and, have, and say, hey, listen, listen, y'all think you're fixing to go in some desert? You're, you're fixing to go too close here. You might need to rethink this decision that you're making. Now, we're not doing that because we're trying to be all up in their business. We're doing that because we are knowing that that lion is seeking the weakest. And the, if they continue to go in the path, they're going to be attacked by Satan himself. Now, is this all making sense? We need to be watching out for one another. We need to be encouraging to one another. And we need to do it with the right attitude. Don't come out and say, well, you know, I just want you to know I've happened to arrive and I think you need some advice from me because, you know, after all, I'm the spiritual giant and all that. Don't, no, 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 that's, that, that's the wrong attitude. Your attitude ought to be, you know what? I remember when I was a fairly new believer. I remember when I was weak in my faith and I remember someone who came alongside me and 
encouraged me, had the right attitude and says, listen, I want you to know I've gone down that same path. Don't go down that same path. That's what he's talking about here. He says the lion. But notice he says he's deceived. He's a deceiver. In Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, it talks about uh, the serpent and the Satan. Uh, and then it says, he's deceived the world. Okay? Then it goes on and says, and he's been cast out in the earth. And then he says, and the angels with him. He, that's, his, that's his demons. Okay? So we got to be watching not only for Satan himself, but we need to be watching for his demons. The fallen angels. But then he goes on and says in those verses, it says that he's the accuser and he accuses the brethren on a consistent basis. Now what does that mean? That means that Satan on a continual basis brings your name up to God. He says, hey... What about that? What about that uh, guy? Oh, what about uh, Mark? What, what, and he names him. He says, I want you to know, I believe he's phony. I don't think he's the real deal. And so he, uh, he brings your name up before God and he is accusing you. But not only does he accuse you before God, but he accuses you yourself. And so he gets these thoughts in your minds and says, you know what? You're, you're not what you ought to be. If that church knew about you, they'd kick you out out of that church and he starts doing all of this and accusing you and all what we need to understand is if you have come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you've received him by faith and you're saved when you're being accused all you need to do is remind Satan that you're no longer that person that he's bringing up before the Lord you just let him know that you're a child of the King and you can rebuke him and the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And you just need to go ahead and tell Satan, you can't have me. You don't, I don't belong to you anymore. I have a new master. His name is Jesus Christ. And I'm going to go ahead and let you know, you can accuse me all you want to. It won't do any good because God knows who I am. God knows my heart. God knows I've come to Him in repentance and confession of my sin. God knows that when I stand before Him, I'll stand before for him blameless. But there's a brother and sister because their faith is not strong. That's where we come alongside them and say, hey, listen, don't listen to the accuser. Don't listen to that old serpent. You just need to go ahead and claim that promise that you're a child of the king. And so, Three things. Be over to get victory. Three things. First of all, as we're talking about Satan, his demonic forces, we need to have respect for him. Brother Mike, you've lost your mind. I ain't respecting him. Oh, you better respect him. Because he is powerful. Okay? That's what I'm talking about in respect. Back sometime when I was younger... I used to go white water rafting and uh, go down the Okoye. And, uh, you know, before you get in, they, they, they give you all these instructions. You know, you had to put a, um, uh, a life vest on and, and then your guide would say, okay, now y'all need to pay attention to me when we're going down this river. 
that when I say to paddle left, you need to paddle left. If I say uh, paddle right, paddle right. He says, you need to do exactly what I tell you as we go down to this river. Now, when you first start, the river is kind of calm. Yeah? And so you get in the boat and you're floating down and you're thinking, man, this ain't no big deal. I mean, you know, and so you start getting a little, you, you start losing respect for that water. You get a little comfortable. So you're floating down the river and all of a sudden that thing's going up and it's going down and you've forgotten everything they just told you. You're, you're paddling left when everybody's paddling right. And, and then you start seeing these hazards, these water hazards, and you're thinking this is not good. And they remind you there's rocks all in that river and you see some of them and they say, hey, what, what, what? you don't see all of them. There's a whole lot that you won't see underneath that. And so you've forgotten all that. Why? Because you lost respect for the power of that river, right? That's how we do Satan sometimes. Oh, we say he's powerful. We know he's powerful. But I'm telling you what, I believe I can take him on. My dear friend, you cannot take Satan on in yourself. He's too powerful for you. He will whip you every time. And so we go in uh, and we see that, uh, first of all, uh, respect. Now, when you have respect, first of all, uh, there's two extremes here. First of all, uh, we see... That we blame Satan for everything. We, we, we blame him for two fakes to hang nails. We, 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 we go ahead and say, there's one behind every bush and we're always looking for him. He's, he's, he's right there. Well, we need to be careful with that tie because he's not behind every bush. It's like the cartoon that I saw. Cartoon is a guy had a, uh, a shirt and tie on. The tie was unbuttoned. He was, his hair was all frazzled. He had his sleeves rolled up and he had this a tormented face, uh, you know, and he's had a vacuum cleaner and he was holding a, the hose. And underneath that caption of this man who was, you could tell he was just, uh, you know, he's at wit's end uh, and he's holding his vacuum cleaner and the caption underneath it says, you foul demons that have clogged my vacuum, I command you to leave this vacuum. Now, what's that? See, that's going to the extreme. I don't think the demon got in your vacuum cleaner. I don't think the, de the devil has clogged your vacuum cleaner up. And, and so there you have that extreme, but we also need to recognize the fact is that he is powerful. The horoscope. I don't read newspapers anymore, uh, but I dare say they still have the horoscopes. And you hear a lot about uh, astrology and all this. And you hear about, you know, there, there's those that are talking that they can go ahead and determine your future by how the stars are lined up and, and all of this kind of a foolishness like that. Apparently, it is still big business. Do you realize that in our nation, there are over 10,000 practicing astrologists where they'll sit down and they'll map your future out according to how the stars are in place. 10,000 full time. I mean, they're getting paid for this. There's 175,000 that do it part time. What is wrong with us? 
I'm telling you, and you say, well, you know, we'll kid around about, you know, the stars would just happen to be lined up and all that kind of foolishness like that. I'm telling you, you're better not be playing with something like that because it is demonic. It's demonic when you're saying that because of how the stars are lined up, that's going to determine your future. My dear friend, the Lord Jesus Christ determines my future, not the how the stars are lined up. And so we have those extremes. But we also understand that He can cause troubles to come your way. In Luke chapter 13, verse number 16... Remember the woman? Uh, she'd been uh, uh, sick uh, uh, for 18 years. And the Bible says uh, that Satan had bound her. See, we need to understand he has the power to cause sickness. Is that not what Luke 13, 16? I mean, she, that's what the Bible says. She was, for 18 years, she was bound by Satan. We also see in the book of Job... <laughs> Job, who was a righteous man, remember God went to Job, uh, went to uh, with Satan, says, "Hey, here's my best man. You go ahead and you can do whatever you want to to him, but you can't kill him." And Satan did everything but kill him. He caused physical illness to come upon him. He lost his family. I mean, we can go on and on and on. My dear friend, we have to have, a, when we have respect, we have to have proper respect. We need to understand he's not behind every bush. Uh, he's not because I have a toothache that he might have caused that toothache. But we also need to understand he's powerful and he can cause harm to come upon you. He can wear you out. And so we got to respect him. Uh, but second thing, we got to recognize. What, what are we recognizing? We're recognizing that he is a pretender. That's what he is. Uh, what do you mean by that? The reason why he got kicked out of heaven is because he wanted to be like God. And God says there's only one God and I am. And kicks him out. So he knew that he couldn't take God's place but he says, I'll go ahead and I'll counterfeit what God is trying to do. You believe that? He's the great pretender. Now watch this. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. Listen to what it says here. He says, <clears throat> talking about Satan, the devil. He says he comes as an angel of light. It, he comes as an angel of light. But then he goes on and says, talks about there are false apostles. What I'm trying to tell you is, sometimes we portray a Satan as this, uh, this, this vile, wicked, uh, uh, evil looking, uh, and, and he jumps out at you. Oh, my dear friend, the Bible says he comes like an angel of light. And if we're not mature in our faith, we won't recognize Him for who He is. Angel of light. We also see the parable of the wheat and the tares. It was hard to distinguish until they started separating. You realize 
Sunday morning was an awesome, awesome thing. But you go ahead and mark it down. Word's gotten out to the demonic world and they're going to show up in forces this coming Sunday. I believe that with all my heart. It ticked Satan off to see God having the freedom that he had. And so what's he going to do? He's going to come in as an angel of light. Be watching. Be watching. He's not going to come and he's not going to be dressed in a red suit and have a pitchfork and all that. He's going to come and he's going to blend in to the, with the believers. Now, how, how, how do we distinguish that? Well, the FBI has an interesting way of looking for counterfeit money. Uh, they, uh, somebody asked me, he says, you know how they, uh, uh, how they uh, are trained to, to be able to spot counterfeit money? I said, well, yeah, they look at counterfeit money. He says, no, you're wrong. He says, they look at the real. And they study the real in such detail that when they see a counterfeit long beside it, bam, they can notice it right then. Why? Because they've studied the real deal. How are you going to be able to withstand the attacks of Satan? You've got to get in His Word and the Word's got to get in you and you've got to get more of Jesus than you have of yourself and then you'll be able to see it. You don't have to have somebody... You can be able to, you'll be able to spot it a mile off. An angel of light. An angel of light. I believe with all my heart that many of our churches that are in trouble is because Satan has come in and blended in and they were not able to discern that he was who he was. But that's the reason why the Scripture tells us to try the spirits. To try the spirits. There are some people that believe that... uh, and this has absolutely nothing to do with, the, with new members that have joined. I'm, I'm not saying, I, I'm just, just hearing what I'm trying to say. And some will say, well, oh man, just put them right back to work. No. No. We don't do that. Well, that's not very welcoming. Well, yeah, it is. Because... Many churches have been turned upside down because they didn't try the spirits. Do you understand? Now it's gotten a lot better, but we had to learn. There was a church in Miami when I was living in Florida. There was a church in Miami, Florida that didn't do background checks. Didn't do background checks. A man comes... Nobody knew who he was. Friendly guy. Man, he has charismatic personality and all that. He was there about a week or two and they had an opening. And they announced it from the pulpit. We need some help in the children's department. So he goes. Two weeks. He goes and said, man, I, I love children. I like to work with children. Hey, come on, man. We could use you. About a month later, he molested a child. 
that went to court. The parents of that child sued that church and they won their case and they won their case on negligence. What do you mean you didn't do a background check? And some people might get upset and say, well, I don't understand why you got to do a background check. Okay, We're doing it not because we're wanting to make life difficult or we don't trust you. We're doing it because we're to be wise and we need to try the spirits. Why? Because Satan comes as an angel of light. Is this all making sense? Does it make sense now why we do some of the things that we do? We're not doing it because we want to, you know, and, and some people like it. But I'm telling you, that, that is just acting upon wisdom, godly wisdom. Try the spirits. And so he goes on and he says, resist. Now, last thing, we're going to close. Resist. He says, we've got to resist him. How do we do that? Ephesians chapter 6. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 says, in, in verses 10 through 13, it says, stand, withstand, Stand. It says stand. And then it goes on and it talks about putting on the whole armor of God. But isn't it interesting that he talks about resisting the devil. The first thing he says is, you don't go ahead and pick your sword up and you go run and you try to find you a demon that you're going to cut his head off. Let's be offense. Let's go after him. No, he says stand. Stand. The Bible says that he will resist the devil when you draw nigh to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And too many times, it's not to say there's times when we need to be offensive, because when you look at the armor, some of it was offensive. The sword, that's offensive. But there's many times when we just need to stand Stand on what we know. Stand upon our convictions. And be able to withstand the devil. Here again, going back, Paul wrote, Paul understood what Roman soldiers looked like and how they operated. Isn't it interesting in Ephesians 6, he talks about putting on the whole armor of God. He was probably looking at a Roman soldier when this came to his mind. But when they fought, when they would go to battle, they didn't go by themselves. They would stand... Shoulder to shoulder. Church, that's what we have to be doing. We need to stand shoulder to shoulder. And we can resist the devil. And we can uh, overcome the, the wiles and the attacks of the devil. But we have to stand. Stand upon the Word of God. Stand that there's only one gospel. Stand that we're not going to move from our convictions. Stand upon the fact it doesn't matter if everybody else says we're a bunch of fruitcakes and we need to get with the times. We need to stand upon the Word of God. The Bible tells us that the Word of God, which is truth, truth never changes. Never changes. 
So what he said here in his word, I don't care how long ago it was written, it's still relevant for us today because truth is always truth and truth never changes. And the Bible says that the one that we serve, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he will be same tomorrow. And so let's just go ahead, make a commitment tonight as a church family that we're going to stand. We're not going to give the devil respect. We're going to understand he's power, but he's not all powerful. We understand that he can go ahead and take a bite out of me, but he sure can't oh, swallow me. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it sounded pretty good to me at the time. I've heard it said this way. When a person got saved, that lion that we just talked about became toothless. No. He still has his teeth. Here's, he might take a bite out of you, but he cannot consume you. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So let's just go ahead tonight. Make a commitment that we're going to give him respect, but we know the one who's more powerful than he is. We're going to go ahead and recognize the fact that he's a pretender. He comes like an angel of light. And we also know that we can resist him for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's just go ahead and stand and remind Satan his demonic forces that we are a child of the King. And Satan just wants you to go on notice you were defeated there at Calvary. You were defeated. You were defeated. And you no longer have dominion over me because I can stand upon the Word of God and I can resist whatever you bring my way.